friends and gang. Thank you for tuning in to our third week of The Artist's Way. I hope you had an amazing second week and um, I'm guessing you've by now have had some um, shifts, little shifts um, going on and you're, you know, paying attention to those hopefully. And if not, no worries. I think, you know, a lot of people um, tend to go through the book a couple of times or even more to kind of really experience what type of transformation it's offering. And a lot of times, you know, not all practices necessarily resonate with you, but it's important to show up for them and, you know, have the right intentions and to um, obviously go through with them. So um, I hope you had a great second week. I wonder if you all did your morning pages and if you took your artists on a date for the week or if there were anything else that showed up and popped up. Um, so uh, this third week is actually uh, pretty, I, I feel like there is a lot to be shared. Um, the title of it is Recovering a Sense of Power. And you know, as we go through this, these processes, I think as we uncover and we go through the layers and we find perhaps a, a quote unquote, a victimized version of ourselves um, as a child who was kind of, you know, due to different circumstances, wasn't allowed to explore their sense of creativity, which that's, a, I think, a very broad topic to explore whether whose fault it was and all of that. And I think a true sense of empowerment is actually comes from owning all of that, which we'll get to in this chapter as well. Um, you know, we might, f uh, you know, find ourselves uh, feeling uh, anger or resentment or a lot of things like that uh, towards, um, you know, many different things, whether it's like the causes of those um, blockages that we experienced or, you know, whatever else. And it's important to recognize anger as um, a very powerful tool for us and something that um, is helping us to actually create and pump ourselves up and um, kind of intensify our will and our, um, you know, intentions and directions in life and to kind of create on a higher intensity and level of energy rather than, you know, kind of this um, uh, kind of, uh, you know, detaching and disassociating ourselves to the situation and just kind of senses of ap apathy and, uh, you know, sluggishness and all of that. So she says, you know, anger is fuel and it usually makes us to want to do something, to hit someone, to break something, to, you know, you know, whatever, tells, tell those bastards, like, but, you know, but then again, um, you know, we're nice people, right? So-called nice. So when we can't do that, so what we do is we deny it, we stuff it away, we bury it, we block it, hide it, and medicate it, you know, ignore it, do whatever we can, and we, but we don't listen to it. But the point is to understand is that anger is a voice. It's a plea. It's a demand. And it's meant to be respected because it's a map that shows us what our boundaries are and where we want to go. And it lets us see where, um, you know, we've been actually and lets us know when we haven't liked it. 
So in the recovery of a blocked artist, anger is a sign of health, actually, you know, so that means things are working. Anger is meant to be acted upon. It is not to be acted out. Anger points the direction. Um, so, and a lot of times when we feel angry, we are angry that we feel anger, right? It's a lot of times because it's, it feels like it's a sign of weakness. It kind of seems like there's something else got a hold of us and we can't sit in the high chair of like the kind of in control and nice person or bigger person or anything like that, or whatever else reason we're like, damn anger, like. I'm angry, like it gets us more angry, right? We're just, we're just like, why am I angry? But it's important to understand that, uh, first of all, anger is um, not the enemy. It's our friend and it's a good friend and it's it's a gentle friend. It's not a sorry gentle friend, um, but a very, very loyal friend. And it will always tell us what and when um, we have betrayed. Um, so, you know, and it's not necessarily something that we need to act upon again. And it's an invitation to action. It's like a sign, right? And a lot of, and so, you know, when we're going through the process, um, you know, some of the things that actually can be scary. And if you've paid attention is our, uh, answered prayers or something that they say you know be careful what you wish for because you might just get it right because we get it and we're like oh no like here I am with like um I feel some sort of responsibility now because I called for it and it manifested and it's in my hands and I was the one who asked for it so it's sometimes easier to um kind of not get what you want and to blame all the circumstances versus to do get what you want and then have to feel the responsibility to do something about it now, right? And it's not always comfortable because we are in charge now. And um, so there's a couple of quotes here um, uh, that I want to read for you. Shakti Gawain, Gawain I think it says... The universe will reward you for taking risks on its behalf, All right? And that's uh, some sort of this. That's what the synchronicity is. That's what. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Once these are all signs, right? And um, serendipity, what they call. And another one is uh, comes from the work of the chariot, the book. When a man takes one step toward God. God takes more steps towards that man than there are sands in the worlds of time, right? And a lot of times, you know, it's um, kind of difficult to, because, you know, what is God? Like, there, there's a Christian idea of God, there's a Muslim idea, there's a Hindu idea of many gods, and they can at times um, not be... Uh, something that we associate with and we don't and, and and even if we if we do associate in those terms with God they might not be very pure they might be kind of um you know messed around with for you know purposes unknown <laughs> you know maybe it was in the uh, you know a benefit of the leaders of the you know religious organizations to kind of sell us that idea so they can feel like they are in control and you can give them that feeling, 
right? A lot of times, like we spoke about the blocked artists um, who feed off of other people's energies and, and um, they're called the crazy makers. We, we mentioned them in this book. So, and who are, she says, um, all are blocked artists themselves who think they'd have to receive the resources from other people. So the point is, um, yeah, so it's like, what is God? But, you know, and what is the use of it? So here's the use. If there is a responsive creative force that does hear us and act on our behalf, then we may really be able to do some things, you know, like when you ask for something and you receive that, um, you know, life is what we make of it, whether we conceive, conceive an, of an inner um, God force or an another outer God doesn't matter. Relying on that force does though. So, you know, um, the, there's, um, so even the most timid life contains such moments of commitment. For example, you say, I will get a new love seat after all. And then I found the perfect one. It was the strangest thing. I was at my aunt Bernice's and her neighbor was having a garage sale. And she had this wonderful love seat her new husband was allergic to, right? So all of a sudden you ask for something very specific, but little, apparently not very important, you know? So it, it means like you don't have to have all these grand ideas, that creative force and that responsive conscious force in, in our lives is like always at work and is confirming that we have the power. And, uh, you know, we can keep ignoring it until it becomes impossible. And it's because it's so subtle. We, and it doesn't come with banners and, with, you know, billboards and stuff like that, because that's what we're used to now, right? Our eyes, our senses to be engaged in the outer world so much so we can buy and be consumers versus our inner knowings and connections, moments of connections with nature and with you know, these little events of serendipity and synchronicity because they, you know, they don't come with uh, whistles and, you know, and horns or whatever the expression is. We, we have a tendency to be afraid to explore them because also, yeah, we would be the crazy people who like, I'm, I absolutely remember to having brought up moments like this or like even talking about my dreams or stuff like that and being shut down by either friends my own age or like somebody around to be like oh what are you talking about that doesn't make sense but these are all like the uh, alive consciousness that breathes around us and it's such a creative force that helps us on our path um albert um I don't know how to pronounce his last name, says a discovery is said to be an accident meeting a prepared mind, right? So, and uh, Ovid says, chance is always powerful. Let your hook be always cast in the pool where you least expect it. There will be a fish. I love this so much. It's just, you know, beautiful. The possibility of an intelligent and responsive universe acting and reacting in our interests is something that most of us prefer to ignore, right? Um, so, you know, the, there is a rule of thumb, 
and I think this is what Julia Cameron says in her experience as well, is to never to ask whether you can do something. Don't ask whether you can do it. Say instead that you're doing it. Then fasten your seatbelt to the most remarkable things follow. I cannot begin to tell you personally how many times have I <laughs> have had to do this and I've done it. It's like almost, um, you know, all the signs and the forces in the universe were guiding me towards that. And, um, you know, a few of them have been moves that I made internationally without much money in my pocket, without knowing the costumes, the language, the you know, hows of things were gonna going to work out. And I had some of the most powerful and um, uniting, um, uh, loving experiences of my life. Like I found um, my soul family through those uh, risks, so, so to speak, um, taking um, adventures and beyond everybody that I knew or I grew up. Like I realized, I you know, I feel so... Um, you know, so this is my path. Obviously, yours can be something different. And and art can be, you know, your creative process can be creating your own life and creating yourself. A lot of us on a spiritual path are on a path of self-actualization, so so to speak. And um, so our creative projects are is ourselves and our lives. And it's not necessarily writing a book or making a movie or whatever, which those things are still also very empowering things, I think, practices to do as a creator and as an artist. Um, but it's also good to not punish ourselves if that's not something that uniquely responding to, you know, responds to us or resonates with us. Um, so, yeah. So, and, uh, and she says this other thing that I love, love, love so much. And I totally, um, resonate with, she says, in my experience, the universe falls in with worthy plans and most especially with festive and expansive ones. Right. So, um, I think one of the most powerful experiences I had in my life was my trip to Africa, which was scary. I was going to go by myself. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was going to go to a village and, you know, volunteer in an orphanage, stay for the summer. And, um, it turns out it was the exact time. And I did all of this within a month. Like I got my shots. You're supposed to get vaccinated. You're supposed to get a visa. You're supposed to, you know, bought my ticket. Yeah. I like the money came together like last minute, like literally, um, I had to, yeah, I mean, that's the details of that story. But then it was like exactly the time. Uh, first of all, it was one of the most expansive experiences I've ever had, even though there was a part of me was like dormant that came to life, but it was also extremely expansive for me to experience that. Um, but also it was a time where there, the um, World Cup was happening in Africa. So there was celebration. Like she says, most expensive and festive ones. It was a celebration in the whole continent. Like there were people always on in the street and celebrating, cheering. Like, you know, you could feel it, you know. And it was also very, very touching to go, um, you know, to a place where actually the place we went to, they there were no volunteers before us. We were the first group, and the children at the orphanage had not eaten for um, a few weeks at that time, at that point. And, um, 
you know, and it was, you know, and it was just, I'm so grateful for the experience that we co-created together with those souls and those magnificent, beautiful souls of who those children are um, to empower us so much, to make us feel like we are important. And they looked, the children looked at us like we were their moms and their dads or whatever. And they needed that love and support and like food. And they looked like within a couple of weeks, they turned the animation, like they were so animated and happy and joyful versus two weeks before they were suffering, like, you know, literally, but they, that was their gift to us. Like, you know, it's so beautiful. Um, the point is, you know, as long as what you're asking is aligned with the universe in a sense that it's an expansive experience, it's a festive experience, it is um, um, aligned, you know, it's going to manifest, like, and it's going to work out, like, you don't have to worry, like, I was, you know, going to the market and buying food for those kids every week, and this is not to toot my own horn, because it's not about me, obviously, at all, it was just about the intention at the heart and the connection and the lessons that were all involved in this situation, which I can see right now, actually, that there is more to it, and it totally shaped my life for, for years after that. And I think there is actually more to, to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, so yeah, Stella Terrell man says desire, ask, believe and receive, which is the law of attraction. And we all are familiar with. And Julia Cameron continues, I have seldom conceived a delicious plan without being given the means to accomplish it, right? Understand that the what must come before the how. First, choose what you do. The how usually falls into place for itself. A thousand unseen helping hands is something that was called by Joseph Campbell, uh, which are basically the synchronicities in life that support us. She continues, the truth is, it is difficult to avoid walking through the many doors that will open. Turn aside your dream and it will come back to you again. Get willing to follow it again and a second mysterious door will swing open. That's so beautiful. Like the universe is pro prodigal, prodigal, prodigal digital in its support we are miserly in what we accept all gifts horses are looked in the mouth and usually turned return to center so we need to accept these gifts whatever you think you can do or believe you can do begin it action has magic grace and power in it all right this is a quote that we you have some of you are familiar with <clears throat> so um and william bridges says genuine beginnings begin within us right even when they're brought to our attention by external opportunities so it's all from within it's all from the inside even though outside world might reflect back kind of give us ideas but until internally we tune into it and until internally eternal internally we are um first experiencing it and are opening ourselves to that idea and are you know switching um our frequency and vibration to more expansive ones um it might not manifest <clears throat> So, 
you know, there are, of course, reasons that, you know, we haven't been taking actions into the directions of our dreams. And they're very valid and they're very, um, you know, powerful reasons that are holding us back. And one of them, she says, is shame. Right. She says shame is a controlling device, like shaming someone is an attempt to prevent the person from behaving in a way that embarrasses us. So like um, we've been all either through our cultures, through our religions, through our parents, through whoever who um, or even ourselves, like we've been bogged down by these feelings of shame. Making a piece of art may feel a lot like telling a family secret. Secret telling, by its very nature, involves shame and fear. It asks the question, what will they think of me once they know this, right? So that's a very, very huge and important um, thing to consider and to um, release and overcome. The act of making art exposes society to itself. Art brings things to light. It illuminates us. It says, see, when people do not want to see something, they get mad at the one who shows them. Henry David Thoreau says, the cost of a thing is the amount of what I call life, which is required to be exchanged for it immediately or in the long run. So if it's costing too much, right, make sure it's and understand this is your life that is being give, oh, given away. Often we are wrongly shamed as creatives. From this shaming, we learn that we are wrong to create. Buried under, it doesn't matter, the shame lives on, waiting to attach itself to our new efforts. So yeah, so because of shame, you just kind of come to a place where you're like, oh, so what if I create something or I, um, you know, be this person or that type of um, creator, uh, it doesn't matter. That's that's shame. That's like, oh, no, 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 it matters. Like, you're important. Whatever you're exposing needs to be exposed. There is a reason that you're being called to do this. There's a reason that you have these desires and dreams, right? Shakti Gawain says, we will discover the nature of our particular genius when we stop trying to conform to our own or to other people's models. Learn to be ourselves and allow our natural channel to open. <clears throat> and again, to remember that, you know, in the beginnings, probably when that, that our channels are opening, you know, there will be a lot of criticism one way or another from ourselves or from others. But, you know, we just want to allow ourselves to be bad artists until we become good ones, right? A well-meaning friend who constructively criticizes a beginning writer may very well end that writer. And she says, let me be clear, not all criticism is shaming. In fact, even the most severe criticism, when it, when it fairly hits the mark, is apt to be greeted by an internal aha, right? So, um, you know, it's very important for the artist to self-protect, to protect herself or himself of um, the judgment and the, you know, whatever that... Um, Block is, blockages us and like it's, it's too perfectionist for you know for its own good or anything like that but and um, to uh, still find the courage to continue creating and um, 
you know, if needs to be taken, you know, into, you know, you do can receive ideas, you can receive perspectives and just kind of look at them and, you know, decide whether that feels good or not. Right. So it's a very important thing to follow what feels right to us. Brenda Yulen says, since you are like no other being ever created since the beginning of time, you are incomparable. She, uh, Julia Cameron continues, as artists, we cannot control all the criticism we receive. We cannot make our professional critique, critics, critiques more healthy or more loving or more constructive than they are. But we can learn to comfort the artists, our artist child, over unfair criticism. We can learn to find friends with whom we can safely vent out our pain. We can learn not to deny and stuff our feelings when we have been artistically savaged. Art requires a safe hatchery. Louise Nevelson says, I have made my world and it is a much better world than I ever saw outside. Okay, so there's, and that's, there's so much to that quote. I hope you can um, unpack it in your own time. Sorry, I live right by the hospital in New York City during quarantine and COVID-19 crisis and Lots of ambulances pass, sending prayers and blessings to all those from the heart to all of our hearts. Um, so, yeah, so um, there's so much in that. And that is, you know, basically paying deep and close attention to our specific unique dreams and creating the world that we didn't see outside of us before and realize that there is a re like there's another quote that says, you know, if I was born in a world that I didn't belong, the only reason was to create a new one, right? We must learn that when our heart, our art reveals a secret of the human soul, those watching it may try to shame us for making it. At these times, uh, we must be very firm with ourselves and not pick up the first doubt. We simply cannot allow the the first negative thinking to take hold. Taking in the first doubt is like picking up the first drink for an alcoholic, right? Um, so yeah, so it's like you gotta make sure you master things right away. And, uh, you know, to take your artists maybe on a walk, reaffirm uh, with the affirmation words and just to unpack like the criticism and how it felt and where it come from and why it felt the way it did and all of these things and um, kind of not allow it to take control of us. Hazrat Anayat Khan says the words that enlighten the soul are more precious than jewels. <clears throat> So there are some, she shares some rules for the road <laughs> that are useful in dealing with any form of criticism. I'll just go through them. There's nine of them. Receive the criticism all the way through and get it over with. Jot down notes to yourself on what concepts or phrases bother you. Jot down notes or on what concepts or phrases seem useful. Do something very nurturing for yourself. Read an old good review or recall a compliment or something like that. Remember that even if you have made a truly 
rotten piece of art, it may be a necessary stepping stone to your next work. Art matures spasmodically and requires ugly duckling growth stages, right? So I'm just going to pause here. Um, a lot of times when we look from a bigger perspective, we realize that, you know, all the uh, steps that we've taken in the bigger picture were all necessary part of this big art piece and art project of whether you call our life or your your art uh, project. So never dismiss something just because at that moment it doesn't look right or beautiful or you know fascinating to you. Know that there's definitely if it has manifested and it's happening, there is definitely a reason for that. Um, Look at the criticism again. Does it remind you of any criticism from your past, particularly shaming childhood criticism? Acknowledge to yourself that the current criticism is triggering grief over a long-standing wound. Write another critique not to be mailed, most probably. Defend your work and acknowledge what was helpful, if anything, in the criticism preferred. Get back on the horse. Make an immediate commitment to do something creative do it. Creativity is the only cure for criticism. Eugene Delacro says, artists who seek perfection in everything are those who cannot attain it in anything. So watch out for those perfectionist thoughts and uh, patterns of behavior. They're not good. It's good to reach for our highest optimal ideal um, things in life, but it's also, I think, uh, a good artist also knows how to appreciate the beauty of what has come to occur because your senses are sharpening more and more and you can bring the pieces together and the unseen um, forces at, in hand that... Um, are making something beautiful and um, beyond what eyes can see or ears can hear or our sens sensual experiences allow. <clears throat> so she recommends a detective work and exercise. And uh, I'll just uh, read the beginning of it and we'll go through the sentences and phrases that she's suggesting. Many blocked people are actually very powerful and creative personalities who have been made to feel guilty about their own strengths and gifts. Without being acknowledged, they are often used as batteries by their families and friends who feel free to both use their creative energies and dispar disparage them. So I feel like a lot of you can relate to this. Not, it's not a blaming game. It's a matter of um, boundaries and um, preservation of energies and inspirations and putting it into a directed intentional use and uh, to know what is and when is enough and is enough, whether what is not allowed, what is allowed, and making those judgment calls and taking that power <clears throat> back, right? So, um, you know, she says, here's a little bit of a work in order to restore the persons we have abundant, which is ourselves. 
So these are a few sentences. Allow yourself to free associate for a sentence or so with each phrase. Number one, you can write these down. My favorite childhood toy was... Two, my favorite childhood game was... Three, my, the best movie I ever saw as a kid was... Four, I don't do it much, but I enjoy... Five, if I could lighten up a little, I'd let myself... Six, if it weren't too late, I'd... Seven, my favorite musical instrument is... Eight, the amount of money I spend on tr treating myself to entertainment each month is... Nine, if I weren't so stingy with my artist, I'd buy him her... Ten, taking time out for myself is... What? 11. I'm afraid that if I start dreaming. 12. I secretly enjoy reading. 13. If I had had a perfect childhood, I'd, ha I'd have grown up to be. 13. Learning to trust myself is probably my most cheer me up music is my favorite way to dress is <clears throat> so these are some things to go along as I was reading this for example I noticed um, that uh, you know, for example, I don't have anything that I secretly enjoy reading. I feel like I've been kind of open about what I enjoy reading and not. And I don't think, but you know, like, I mean, what I mean to say is there are some things that you can, you have a response to and you resonate with and some of them that don't and don't worry about it. Erica Young says, take your life in your own hands. And what happens? A terrible thing. No one to blame. <laughs> so, um, Gross. Is the next part. Growth is an erratic forward movement. Two steps forward, one step back, right? Growth occurs in spurts. You will lie dormant sometimes. Do not be discouraged. Think of it as resting. Very often, a week of insights will be followed by a week of, ins by, of sluggishness. The morning pages will seem pointless, that they are not. What you are learning to do, writing them even when you are tired and uh, they seem dull, is to rest on the page. This is very important. The expression 
God helps those who help themselves may take on a new and a very different meaning as we're taking going through this process, right? And, um, you know, once we open up to that, to this idea, you see that um, there are support and encouragement from unexpected places. Be open and receive gifts from our channels. For example, free tickets, free trip, an offer to buy um, you dinner, a new to you old couch. So practicing yes to such help. This is very important. More than anything else, experiment with solitude. You will need to make a commitment to quiet time. Try to acquire the habit of checking in with yourself several times a day. Just take a beat and ask yourself how you are feeling, right? So you could be spending a lot of times in quarantine right now by yourself. I'm not sure, you know, if we all are in different circumstances, but it, you know, a lot of times we might, you know, just kind of bombard ourselves with social media, with Netflix, with some activity to do, but it's not necessarily a self-check-in time, you know, and that's a different practice to consider. Great. So once you check with yourself how you're feeling, listen to your answer. Respond, respond kindly. If you're doing something very hard, promise yourself a break and a treat afterward. Okay, you can baby yourself and you have to remember that, um, you know, as a creative being, you will be more productive when coaxed than when bullied. So here are the tasks. I'll go through them. You can write them down. For this week, <clears throat> describe your childhood room. If you wish, you may sketch this room. What was your favorite thing about it? What's your favorite thing about your room right now? Nothing? Well, get something you like in there. Maybe something from that old childhood room. Number two, describe five traits you like in yourself as a child. Number three, list five childhood accomplishments. For example, straight A's in seventh grade, or you trained a dog, or punched out a class bully, or short-sheeted the priest's bed. <sighs> and a treat. List five favorite childhood foods. Buy yourself one of them this week. Yes, jello with bananas is okay. Number four. Habits. Take a look at your habits. Many of them may interfere with your self-nurturing and cause shame. Some of the oddest things are self-destructive. Do you have a habit of watching TV you don't like? Do you have a habit of hanging out with a really boring friend and just killing time? There is an expression. Some rotten habits are obvious, um, like drinking too much, smoking, eating instead of writing. List three obvious rotten habits. What's the payoff in continuing them? And some rotten habits are more subtle. No time to exercise, little time to pray, always helping others, not getting any self-nurturing, hanging out with people who belittle your dreams. List three of your subtle foes. With use, what use 
do these forms of sabotage have? Be specific. Number five, make a list of friends who nurture you. That's nurture, meaning give you a sense of your own competency and possibility, not enable, which means give you the message that you will never get astray without their help. There's a big difference between being helped and being treated as though we are helpless. List three nurturing friends. Which of their traits particularly save you well, serve you well? Six, call a friend who treats you like you are a really good and bright person who can accomplish things. Part of your recovery is reaching out for support. This support will be critical as you undertake new risks. Seven, inner compass. Each of us has an inner compass. This is an instinct that points us towards health. It warns us when we are on dangerous ground. And it tells us when something is safe and good for us. Morning pages are one way to contact it. So are some other artist's brain activities. Painting, driving, walking, scrubbing, running. This week, take an hour to follow your inner compass by, by doing an artist's brain activity and listening to what insights bubble up. You know, it's so amazing in my experience. Like, you can go for a run or whatever it is that you do as an artist. Um, brain activity or whatever but setting an intention beforehand and then not you know obsessively but kind of being aware like pay attention but meaning be aware of the responses that show up and they have a little bit of a nudge to them you know in your in your um, consciousness so ask for something specific ask for signs ask for messages ask for whatever do these activities and just pay attention to those little nudges that your intuition is trying to telling tell you and just be present with them. Don't obsessively with your mind try to look for them. Just kind of do your thing and just pay attention to a little thing that comes up. And you notice once you hold that thread and, and you follow it, you realize more things will come to out to surface and to play and to, to your attention. Next task. List five people you admire. Now list five people you secretly admire. What traits do these people have that you can cultivate further in yourself? Number nine, list five people you wish you had met who are dead. Now list five people who are dead whom you'd like to hang out with for a while or in eternity. What traits do you find in these people that you can look for in your friends? Number 10, compare the two sets of lists. Take a look at what you really like and really admire and look at what you think you should like and admire. Your shoulds might tell you to admire Edison while your heart belongs to Houdini. Go with the Houdini side of you for a while. Beautiful. So a couple of quotes at the end. Creative work is play. It is free speculation using the materials of one's chosen form. And Michelle Shea says, creativity is seeing something that doesn't exist already. You need to find out how you can bring it into being and that way be a playmate with God. 
Excellent. So thank you so much, friends, for uh, following along. This is a beautiful process. I'm so happy to be involved in it at this given time, this given moment. And I've noticed a lot of my own, um, a lot of self-confidence have emerged. A lot of the shadow stuff have emerged and a lot of synchronicities and serendipities and uh, lots of beautiful things happening as long as we understand that we are the creators and that to follow our inner compass and, and do what needs to be done to um, uh, honor that. Uh, so until next week, have an amazing week. Don't forget to do something nice for your artists. Love, lots of love.